Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. In preparation for our 21 days of fasting, uh, or prayer and feasting, rather, I'd been listening to um, men like um, uh, audiobooks by Wigglesworth and John Lake, you know, those pioneer, Pentecostal pioneers. I'm telling you what, you can't listen to that stuff without getting stirred up. Uh, what I want to do for our 21 days, I want to preach a series of sermons on the spirit of Pentecost. You know, what did they have? What was their attitude? What was their mindset? You know, so I'm looking at the book of Acts. I'm looking at some of the Pentecostal pioneers, you know, in the last century. And uh, I want to I want to just get us so stirred up. Would you go there with me? <laughs> let's get stirred up. Amen. Let's let's stir it up and then just pour it out on this community. So um, uh, I've been looking at the scriptures, looking at the Pentecostal movement in America Uh, So today, this will be kind of like an introduction to where we're going. I want to talk about the advancement of the church in the face of persecution. That's why I thought it would go good with some of the things we'd seen. You know, we just go over there, we hear about the school being burnt down. Uh, While we were there at the Damasa Church, they were having a prayer meeting in all the churches because they were praying for another couple who who had just become Christians and the 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 village uh, elders were meeting, deciding on whether they were going to kick them out or not. And uh, Rinkin's... There's three families who became Christians, and uh, the last we heard was they have, what, three weeks? Three months. months. They have three months to either convert back to Hinduism or have to leave. That's where they're at right now. So we need to lift them up and, and keep them in prayer as well. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, so, you know, when you're spending time with people whose who's, uh, faith has cost them their families and their jobs and their homes and, and careers, you know, the, the reason that, they, that they're so committed is because they have really met with God in a tangible way. They have really experienced an irrefutable miracle. They really received a healing or a deliverance from torment or something where they know that their Christianity is real. Amen? And that is what is supposed to be normal Christianity. Amen? You know, I know that the Word of God, along with the Spirit of God, will still produce men and women today like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. It will. Or even like some of the Wigglesworths and Lakes and some of the early Pentecostal pioneers. The Spirit of God and the Word of God still has the ability to produce a man or a woman like that today. But do we have the same level of of commitment that they do? I don't want to beat us up on the new year. I want to celebrate, but it's a question worth asking. Do we really want it? Somebody said, you know, you have all of God that you want. If you think about that, it's not God who withholds. It's just, I don't want to go after it that hard. I would rather stay up all night and play my guitar (laughs) or something like that or, or, or flip through, you know, YouTube videos, whatever. Do I really want it that much? You know, these people wanted it. They went after it. You know, um, what, 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 what was it? What was that Damascus Road experience? You know, Paul had that, right? It was an instant. Man, he was transformed. But I was looking at John Lake's testimony. If you know him, he was one of the early Pentecostals, and he was a missionary to Africa for five years. After five years there, he came back to the United States, and, and uh, he went to Washington, Spokane, Washington, and they had healing rooms. And they had so many recorded and documented healings. The government even investigated them, the Better Business Bureau, and all they could do when they were done was just commend him for his good work and tell him to keep going on. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. He wasn't inflating the numbers. 
numbers are lying or anything like that. It was real. You know, like how many of you know, if the government says God is moving, <laughs> then God must be really moving <laughs> because they will come against it if they can. But, you know, for him, he had a, he had a series of progressive things. First of all, he was one of 16 children. Okay. One of 16 brothers and sisters, eight of them before the day, eight of them as he was growing up died of some kind of sickness. Okay. And then for nine years, he suffered some, from some kind of digestion problem for nine years that almost took his life. So one thing he knew for sure was there was no blessing in sickness. You know, he saw how bad it was. It wasn't God hiding some blessing in there for him. He was overwhelmed with it in his family. He was sick of it. He saw it as something bad or something evil. And then one day he prayed this prayer. He would write this. There was nobody to pray for me. And as I sat alone, I said, Lord, I am finished with the world and with the flesh, with the doctor and with the devil. From today, I lean on the arm of God. And that was the beginning of him stepping into this. And then if you would read his testimony, there were several times because his wife got sick later. And, and, and uh, he said, oh, no, the, the sickness that was in my father's house is coming to my house. And there was a man at the time named John Alexander Dowie who uh, had a, a healing ministry. He was against the Pentecostals. He was not a Pentecostal, but he had a healing ministry. And Lake went there to learn and to get his family healed. And God met them there. It was a series of progressions, but he stayed with it. That's the thing. He stayed with it. I think I said last week that Smith Wigglesworth, they asked him what a good book was to read for healing. And he said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He committed that he wouldn't read any other. He never read any other book but the Bible. I don't know how you do that. He did not read any other book but the Bible. He was so committed to the word of God and he always had his Bible with him. And so the level of commitment, you know, it takes resistance to train your muscles, does it not? Right? You're not going to get big muscles just sitting in comfort eating potato chips. You've got to get out there and push against some things and feel that resistance, right? We need to not always try to take the easy way. Sometimes we need just to face up and face the opposition. Sometimes we need to do hard things for God. You know, we don't need to always wait for them to come to us. You know, sure, if you get sick, man, you want to go get your healing scriptures or whatever. You want to get into it. But why can't we take this and go fight for somebody else? Let their problems make us strong. What if we join up with them and let their problems become our problems? We can grow by that. Amen? We can, we can grow. You, you, you don't become a strong Christian by avoiding every challenge. You become a strong Christian by facing the challenges. See, the opposition out there is real. You know, David could have really been run through with Goliath's spear when he went out there. It was a real challenge. He could have really been killed by Goliath's spear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have really been burnt up in that furnace. They really could have. Had God not come through uh, and saved them, they would have just been crispy and that would have been the end. You know, Daniel could have really become the lion's meal been torn apart before he hit the ground, just like the person after him. Paul could have died in the shipwreck. Remember, the angel stood beside him and said, I'm going to give you your life and the life of everybody here. But had God not done that, Paul could have died in the shipwreck. You know, the opposition is real because Jesus came to pick a fight with the devil. Do you remember in Luke chapter four, um, 
it's a, it's a long passage, so let me sum it up. You know, he goes in there and he, they hand him the scroll to the prophet Isaiah. He's in the synagogue and he opens it up to the place and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And the next verse, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. He had their attention and he's sitting there and they're looking at him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Next verse. And all who spoke well of him and they marveled at the gracious words that were just dripping off of his lips. And they start asking, isn't this Joseph's son? And they're all, look, they all spoke well of him. Okay. And then what does he do? He starts to go on and rebuke them and tell them about all the, 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 uh, uh, in Elijah's day, you know, that nobody was healed except for these foreigners and these outsiders. It's like, he started saying things that made him mad. And before he's done with this, they were ready to push him off the cliff. Remember right there at that moment, they were trying to drive him off the cliff. It's like everybody's speaking well of him. And he's like, well, if you're thinking this highly of me, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. Let me explain it a little bit better. And as he goes on to explain what he's come to do, they're trying to kill him already. This is a good way to begin your ministry, to go get driven off a cliff. But you know, had he not been Jesus and been walking in the power of God, he could have been driven off the cliff. I'm sure they've driven others off the cliff back in his day, but they didn't. But he came to pick a fight with the devil. You know, the opposition of the gospel in America is real, okay? We, we shared some things that we saw overseas, right? But you know, over there, they'll burn down a Christian school or something, Right? But you know what? Why are they trying to destroy every last trace of a godly witness in our culture? It's being systematically destroyed, systematically tore down right now in front of our eyes. And it's the same opposition. It's the same reality. It's the same devil behind it that's behind tearing down schools over there. It's the same spirit. You understand what I'm saying? The opposition is real. Why are they dismantling anything that is Christian or moral in our country today? Yeah, we don't get surrounded by Hindus every day on the way to church or whatever, trying to get them to deny Jesus. But if you don't agree with the woke narrative, then they cancel you and you lose your job, right? They destroy your reputation. They get you fired. How is that different? It's the same spirit is what I'm trying to say. The same spirit that's working in India against the gospel is working in America against the gospel. The opposition is real. The devil is trying to steal, kill, destroy. It's a real thing. But understand, it's not flesh and blood we're fighting. You know the verse, Ephesians 6.12, what's it say? Ephesians 6.12, put that one up for me. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, the ones that exist in India and the ones that exist in America and anywhere else in the world where there is opposition to the gospel. It's a real thing. But see, these rulers express themselves through these worldly systems that they create, right? Worldly systems, right? Why is the devil in the Bible referred to as the God of this world or the prince of the power of the air, right? Because he has systems that he set up. 
Look at the, you know, the political social constructs that are being made right now, right? In the name of tearing down social constructs. <laughs> They're tearing down what the, that's the social construct. That's not reality. So what, your social construct is reality? Really? <laughs> really? We have to believe yours? We have to give up this one and believe yours? Yeah, it, you see the duplicity and the hypocrisy, right? What they're just doing is they're trying to to be able to control the the group think so that they can have control over a population. And who is they? I mean, I'm not trying to tell you there's some big vast conspiracy. It's this: the authorities, the cosmic powers, the present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil. They've always been here. They've always been here, and they've always been something to contend with. And we need to be serious about it. Amen. How about governments? Governments aren't neutral or transparent. They're not. They have an agenda. They always have an agenda. Uh, in India, Modi's government right now is trying to restore the whole country back to radical Hinduism. It's called a cons in, in India, that's called conservatism because that's what they're saying is the, you know, the, the progressives in India are the ones who are wanting freedom. The conservatives are taking you back to Hinduism, you know. But governments are not without, you know, bias and they're not neutral, and they, these are systems that the devil influences his, his kingdom through. Yes. What about the entertainment ministry? Uh, ministry? Yeah, ministry. Yeah, I didn't mean to say ministry, but think about it. They're ministers. They're ministers of something, right? And entertainment includes, you know, sports, movies, music, and also most of the news that you see out there. It's all entertainment to keep you occupied. Entertainment, amusement. You know what amusement means, right? Amuse uh, means without thought, right? Muse to muse is to think. Ah uh, means without. It's amusing just to get you in this zombie zone, <laughs> you know, watching how much news constantly or how much, you know, entertainment. And, and if you don't think, you're not engaged. But, you know, uh, we're called to be a people to engage this thing, right? We're called, what's the Bible say? In the end times, it talks about in the book of Daniel, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. They know something. You know, you know something. Well, you know something experientially. You know something with your mind. You know, let's get involved. Let's find places where we can know God, right? Let's fill our minds with his word. Let's put ourselves in places where uh, we can experience him so that our knowledge is experiential knowledge. Amen? Hey, this is going to be a good 2022, is it not? Come on, I'm excited about it. See, none of these things are neutral. These governments, these entertainment things, they're not neutral. They have an agenda. They are ministries. They are ministries. See, there's a new world order coming. There is. There really is a new world order coming. A good one. A good one. You know the one that Peter talks about? 2 Peter 3.13? According to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That gets me excited. Come on. I mean, I'm liking that. That's where we're headed. But Satan, who's not creative and is not brilliant and he's not that smart, a lot of experience, but he's not creative. What's he do? Counterfeit, counterfeit, counterfeit. Everything he does is a counterfeit. Counterfeit faith, counterfeit spirituality, counterfeit new world order, right? Counterfeit world peace. Everything he does is a counterfeit to thwart the plan of God. And that's been happening since the beginning of time. It's nothing new. And we're just getting to see it a little bit more here. All right? We've been, we've been blessed. We've been, we've been protected. But we need, to, we, need to be kinda, we need to be a people who will answer him. Yes. Amen? Amen.
So I want to tell you very quickly three things that we need to do to fortify ourselves against the persecution that is in the world and the persecution that is coming, okay? Because I would like to tell you that everything's going to get better and better and better and better and better, and then we're going to get raptured. <laughs> I would really like to tell you that. But they actually believed that in the 1800s. And then the 1900s came and saw two horrific world wars. And then they kind of quit believing that. And what's going on around this right now, it's hard, to, it's hard to see that everything is going to get better, better, better. It might be get worse before it gets better. I don't know. I, don't, I know there's people who think they know who will tell you, but I don't know. And I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be caught off guard. So let's, uh, let's look at these three things. Number one, talking about the opposition, persecution. One, we need to expect it and not shrink back from it. One, expect it and not shrink back from it. John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things to you, Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. First of all, Jesus promised it. In the world you will have tribulation. Sorry for having such a positive message today, but Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So one, expect it and don't shrink back from it. Look at this verse in Acts 14, chapter 14, verse 21. I don't even like this verse. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Next verse. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's in the Bible. The fact that it doesn't even make sense with our Christianity today in America scares me because that was normal. 2 Timothy 2.3 Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It says endure hardship, share in suffering as a good soldier. This is normal Christianity from the beginning. See, the time and place that we've lived for the last couple of decades has been the exception, not the rule. It really has been. We need to fortify ourselves because we don't know for sure exactly what's coming, but we need to be able to answer it. Amen. We need to walk in the supernatural and we need to be able to snatch souls out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven, no matter what the circumstances are around us. Because God's not going to, you know, uh, cry and sit down and melt like a snowflake when persecution comes. And we can't either. We need to be the people of God who stand strong. Amen. Amen. Number two. So number one was what? Expect it. Don't shrink back from it. Two, we need to believe and practice what is true. Rin Kim, uh, I didn't know you had so much to share, <laughs> but you forgot to share this story about the Hindu priest. We were talking to the Damasas. We were asking them, how in the world did you get saved in your environment? I mean, you know, when this is all you know, how did you get saved? Time after time after time, it was, we, we needed something. We needed a healing and we did everything that the Hindu priest said to do. We did everything that the, the Muslims said to do. And so we finally went to a Christian and we got healed. And I mean, we, we heard that testimony so many times, it almost got old, that that's how that church is growing. And, and, uh, but there was this Hindu priest who got saved, a Hindu priest. And so they asked him later, they said, so when people come to you and they, uh, you know, want you to heal them or whatever, and you give them the chant or the incantation, what are you saying? 
Because, you know, they do it in different language, kind of like the church did when they used to do everything in Latin and the people didn't know what they were really saying. That's kind of how they do. They do it in some ancient language. And, and this particular Hindu, former Hindu priest said, oh, well, I just made it up. I just made it up. And I mean, they, they were, you know, they were like, that's amazing. They're, I mean, it was, they were making a joke about Hinduism because they're just making it up. I mean, they've got these temples all over the place. They've got their pictures of all these gods and they beat on these drums and do their worship. And then they just make up the incantations. No wonder it doesn't work, right? But you know what? The first thing I thought of when I heard it, and I didn't tell anybody till, till weeks later, but the first thing I thought of was Christian television. How many things do we just make up? How much of our Christianity is something that somebody made up to sell another book, to keep a crowd, to get another offering? God help us. We do not want to follow a Christianity that somebody is making up just because they're a popular preacher somewhere. Who am I speaking against? I'm not speaking against anybody particular. I just know that when you are in a situation where you have got to deliver to your audience over and over and over again, because you're building buildings all over the place and you're selling books and you're doing things and you're flying all over, you have got to keep people's ears. I can't promise you that everything out there is somebody hearing from God. You need to know for yourself. Number two, we need to believe and practice what is true. We need the truth and we need to be so rooted in the truth for ourselves that we're just not blindly following other people who may be just making it up. Right. See, as long as we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God, we'll stand before God based on what he's given us. It'll be bad for somebody who causes somebody to sin. It really will be. But we need to know for ourselves because we can. We can know for ourselves. So number two, we need to believe and we need to practice what is true. Why? Because our faith will be tested. First Peter chapter one, verse six, it says that in this you will rejoice. You rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Next one. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I preached about this when we preached in James. But, you know, our faith is going to be tested one way or another. And, you know, if you're a mountain climber and you've got a safety rope and you slip and you're falling that's not the time you want to find out that your rope has been dry rotted, you know, or has been just a, a stage prop and it doesn't have the strength to hold you. We need to know that our faith is genuine. We need to get settled down in faith, find out what the word of God says and experience that and live it out. Amen. 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 So number two was we need to practice what is true. And finally, number three, we need to be as wise as serpents wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus said that in Matthew 10. But go, oh wait, what's that? Go rather, Matthew 10, 6. I must have given you the wrong thing. 10, 16 is what it is. He says, Jesus says, when, I, when you go, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. They were constantly trying to get Jesus to say something that would get him in trouble, either with the people or the priests or the government. They're always trying to get Jesus in a corner, right? If you go to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, I'm just going to skim through, through it real quick. Mark chapter 12, 
it begins with the parable of the tenants. Do you remember that? I preached on that too, um, uh, about the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. It starts with that parable. Jesus told that parable. And if you'll look at um, uh, Matthew 12 or Mark 12, 12, it says, they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people for they perceived he had told the parable against him. So they left him and went away. Jesus had a way of communicating what he was trying to say in such a way that they knew what he was talking about, but they couldn't get him on anything. Do you know what I'm saying? He was being wise. He was saying it and they knew he was saying it, but they could not just pin him down on it. We need to be like that. We need to be wise as we speak to this current culture, this present age. You know, there's some things we don't need to go and die on. You know what I mean? But they were so mad at Jesus. If you look at it, uh, as it goes on, all of a sudden, all the three different groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, and they all come to him. It's like a wave. One, two, three. The first one is, do we have to pay taxes to Caesar or not? <laughs> the next one is, you know, if a man has seven wives and he gets married, uh, whose wife will they be? All these different things to try to get him to look stupid in front of the people or in front of the government. And then finally, the scribes come up. What is the greatest commandment? And he answered that one brilliantly. And that man actually answered back halfway brilliant. But you see, they were always trying to corner him to take a position on things. And this is what I want to say. We don't have to take a position on everything. We don't. We don't have to. We need to be as wise as a serpent and innocent as doves. doves. And we don't have to, you know, there are people out there who are taking stands on things that it's not going to make a difference one way or another. It's just going to destroy them on the way. We need to stand for the things that matter. You don't have to take a position on everything. We don't have to fight every fight. We don't have to get involved in every civilian affair. We need to be about the kingdom. We need to be wise. And so I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty for living in a time of blessing. Boy, I wouldn't want to have lived anywhere else than where I've lived No. The last, you know, several decades. I'm so blessed by being here. I'm so blessed by what America has blessed the world. I mean, I go to India and my reputation over there just because I'm an American, because white people took the gospel to that, those tribal communities 120 years ago. You know, I mean, what an honor to be part of America. Uh, it's, it, I'm not slamming it, but, you know, considering what's going on around the world, we need to do this. Number one, we need to not crumble <laughs> be snowflakes in the face of persecution or the smallest thing that goes wrong in our lives. We need to learn how to stand. And number two, we need to advance the church by willingly placing ourselves in difficult situations. We need to willingly place ourselves in difficult situations. Like I said, if not for ourselves, for somebody else. Think about somebody else in your life or some, you know, maybe you need to get involved in an organization or something that's putting yourself in a place where people who are worse off than you are. <laughs> so you could put yourself in their point of need and be God's answer for them. You'll grow by that. You'll experience God in that place. Come on, didn't Jesus do that when he emptied himself and came into our world? It's exactly what he did. Let's take on some impossible challenges so that we can experience God through them. Let's run after Goliath with a sling and a rock. Let's do it. You know, let's make sure that we're given to fruitful ministries. And then, you know, maybe we should sometime give until we actually feel it. 
You know, most of the time we give and we don't feel it. Maybe we find out, make sure we're giving in the right place. Make sure it's God-led and then give until we feel it. What would that be like? Think about that. You know, let's stand on those, like I said before, let's stand on those healing verses uh, for somebody else who needs healing. Let's go to war for them like we would if it was our own kid. Let's find creative ways to confess the Lordship of Jesus right here, right now in this culture. Amen? Because the world is dying all around us. But we have, because of that, we have in that an opportunity to shine the light of the gospel. Amen? Amen. So what was it? Number one, expect, expect these things and don't shy away from them. Number two, anybody remember what that was? We need to stand on truth. And number three, number three was the best one. It was really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be wise. Be wise and innocent because, uh, you know, we're not called to take on everything. But the things that we stand for, uh, we need to stand for the things that God will back us up in. Right? All right. The ones he's has told us to stand for, he will back us up. And so let's be serious about it. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. Going forward, let's make 2022 an awesome year. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your plan. I thank you that you are bringing, that you have a plan. You are bringing this world to a decided place, to a decided end, Lord. We thank you that you are working, that you are always working. Father God, I make the commitment, Lord, and I speak for this church that we are going to step into your plan fully. We're not going to get involved in civilian affairs, but we're going to be wise and innocent. And we're going to prayerfully, as we see the things that we are to do, we will prayerfully consider them and then we will step into them. We'll not take on every battle, but we'll take on your battles. We will fight your battles and not our own battles. And Father God, I bless this group of people, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, because I see a mighty army here. I see an army who's willing to stand on the word, who is willing to fill their hearts and their minds with the word of God and be that light, Lord, that city on a hill shining in a dark place. So, Father God, I bless them, Lord. I bless this 2022 coming up, Lord. Father God, may this be a year of destiny for us. May it be a year of opportunity, Lord, for us to, to, to be ministers of the kingdom, to carry the light of the gospel. Father God, show us, open our eyes to see, you know, the song we sang said, let us become more aware of your presence. Father God, let us also become more aware of opportunities, Lord, to stand and to minister and to be a light that shines in a dark place, to be somebody's answer, Lord, to be somebody's answer to their prayers that we can help them, Lord, to connect to heaven and receive what they need from you. Father God, that we may be your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.